Michael Chavis is a really good player. He might be an even better teammate. He can hit, he can catch the ball, he can speak about the franchise in a way that genuinely instills hope, and he's not playing every day because I have no idea why. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning from Denver. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins that you can check out. Pirates 8, Rockies 3. Yesterday in the final game before the All-Star break that begins today out in L.A., the game yesterday was not at all reflective of the overall series that I covered out here, but the Pirates did put it together in time to salvage something of a good feel upon flying out their separate ways. And that was in large part because Chavis went three for five, RBI, and a big one at that, and by my count from the press box, three above-average plays, one of those being superlative, stealing a run from Colorado with a dive to his left and the ball bouncing up and his glove going up with it. One of those that uh, in the moment kind of looks like you're taking the infielder's arm off. And all that was enough to earn this level of praise from Derek Shelton downstairs. But Chavis's defense, I mean, you know, I mean, the offense was great, but, you know, I think this is a guy that doesn't get enough credit for as good a first baseman as he is. And, I mean, even if you look at it metrically, I mean, this guy's, you know, in the top five in the game in a lot of categories over there. Uh, and today he helped us win a game uh, because of the way he played defense. Okay, so the manager gets it, right? I mean, what are they doing here? I don't, I'm gonna, I, you know, I'm not gonna turn this into a Yoshi Tsutsugo bashing thing. I could do Yoshi and Josh Van Meter bashing on every episode, and I'll probably get more nods than head shakes for doing so. It's an infuriating thing, I'm sure, for fans to see this, to see Yoshi getting regular at bats, let alone in the middle of the order. And Van Meter doing anything. Van Meter's one for 22 in July, and he offers nothing. And he's not part of the future. And Yoshi's less than that, remarkably. But Yoshi splits time in a semi-platoon, though no one uses that word anymore in 2022, including the Pirates. But Yoshi splits time with Chavis. Now, yeah, Chavis's splits aren't great. He does almost all of his damage against lefties, but he murders lefties. And he did it again to Austin Gomber yesterday. But he also had his biggest hit off a righty. And it's not like when you watch him, you think to yourself, man, this is hopeless. He's never, ever going to be able to hit right-handers. He's competing. He's improving. He's making a difference. Try working with him instead of the other guy. There's at least some clay at hand. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern. That's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. 
It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. I don't want to go overboard here and make Chavis sound as if he's the first baseman of the future. He's 5'10". That's not ideal size at that position when it comes in particular to fielding throws from your fellow infielders. But as you heard Shelton say, Chavis ranks among the top handful of defensive first basemen in all of baseball because there's way more to the position than just fielding high throws. And sure, he's not younger. He's going to turn 27 in August. And there's no hard line for what constitutes a prospect and a non-prospect. He's definitely past prospect age. But even though he comes with the draft pedigree that he has, he didn't make his debut in the majors until 2019 and really didn't get that much of a chance to blossom in Boston. So maybe that's a latent thing that's happening here. So why stunt it? Why prematurely define it? Not all of his numbers are exciting. I mentioned the splits. His overall batting average, if you want to reduce it to that, is 240. Now, the median in baseball is 242, so he looks pretty good. Maybe more than he should because of his surroundings in Pittsburgh. I mean, 220 looks awesome in this lineup most nights, right? But he's inexpensive. You can hold his rights for several years. And if he becomes that guy, hey, you know, you did okay. Besides, who else you got at first base? Not talking about Mason Martin anymore, are we? Why? Because he plunged off a cliff in Indianapolis. There really isn't anybody else on the current roster or even in the upper levels of the minors where you'd say, yeah, but they're not so good defensively, so we want to move them to first base. There's also no law that says you have to put your lousy defensive players at first base. It helps if you can catch the ball over there, as Chavis illustrated powerfully yesterday. But look, my real point here is that you can't be carrying empty baggage around. And that's what you're doing right now with both Yoshi and Van Meter. It's not always about, are they taking at-bats from kids? It can sometimes just be about, are they taking at-bats from you know plain old good baseball players, which neither of them is. I'm going to state this really bluntly, even though it's going to have absolutely no impact. There is no way that the Pirates should get back into action Friday against the Marlins at PNC Park with either of those guys on their roster. It makes no sense whatsoever. And please spare me this idea that you're showcasing these guys for a trade. If anything, if there was any hope whatsoever of these players being traded, you'd only maximize that by never ever showing them to anybody when we come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q comes from Adam Gashler, who asks, DK, what are your thoughts on the current situation 
the middle infield after the draft selection of Termar Johnson. For anybody who didn't follow Major League Baseball's draft last night over in L.A., the Pirates took Termar Johnson, a shortstop out of Georgia, with the number four overall pick. An excitable young man, judging by his post-draft exuberance, uh, not least of which was openly predicting that he'd be bringing a ring to Pittsburgh. And there are all kinds of analyses and analytics that show that he's going to be, in all likelihood, a very, very good hitter when he gets to the majors. Now, that said, we have no idea. So the situation, to borrow your term, at middle infield is not a thing. It doesn't exist. I say this year after year after year as it applies to the baseball draft. It is not the NFL draft. These players take years to get here. All kinds of different things can go wrong, even with the players who are fast-tracked. And generally speaking, when you're taken as high as Johnson just was, you do get fast-tracked. And you especially get that if you're number one overall, which we're already seeing with Henry Davis. Now, of course, Davis has had his setbacks injury-wise, but the fast track for Davis is still really, it's three years, okay? And that's to say nothing of how COVID affected all sports and all young players, including amateurs, especially amateurs, and their development. So we have no idea how, when, or even if they'll make it. No one wants to hear that because it sounds awful. Wow, number four overall pick. But you just don't know. Not in this sport. They're too young and there are too many variables now more than ever because of the COVID. It's funny. I had a good talk with Derek Shelton here yesterday before the games out in the dugout, just kind of shooting the breeze. And the subject of the draft and of development came up, and in particular, about COVID. He said, in his terms, and this is a baseball lifer, regardless of what you think of his last bullpen decision or his lineups, recognize that this is someone who's been in the sport forever. He's never seen anything affect the ability to judge the broader talent pool the way COVID has, and that it still applies now, even though we've had baseball in some form or another for a couple of years. So when I came back and kind of joked with him that there's a really broad perception out there that positions matter or that rankings matter or anything like that, I mean, he just laughed because he's he's right, because he knows from a wealth of experience that all kinds of things happen to these players along the long path to get to the majors. Remember Neil Walker being drafted as a catcher? No? Well, he was. That's what he played at Pine Richland. Then he came up through the system, switched to third base, played a lot of third base, then ended up moving one spring to second base. He was actually taught the position by none other than Bill Mazeroski on this little half field. And I was one of those people watching through a fence over there as they were working out. Same bucket of balls again and again and again and again. 
Catch, pivot, throw. Catch, pivot, throw. He was a catcher when he was drafted. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. Johnson is listed on most of his profiles as a second baseman, even though he only played shortstop at his school. He, and for that matter, Ben Charrington, were saying last night in L.A. that they think he'll stay at short, at least to start out. None of this matters. Not one tiny little teensy-weensy bit of it. Not that O'Neill cruises at short because he can move. Not that Nick Gonzalez, once he gets healthy again, still profiles as the system's best prospect. He's at second base. Doesn't matter. Diego Castillo and Hoy Park, and I'm probably missing a bunch of other middle infielders. Doesn't matter. What matters is what Clint Hurdle once told me. The bat will play. Hit your way onto the field. You don't have to worry about it. We'll find a spot for you. You don't have to get anchored down to something. You don't have to take ownership of it. Now, ultimately, yeah, that's ideal, but it all tends to work itself out, and it will in this case as well. Look, there's another solution too. If the Pirates have so many spectacular young players that they can't fit them all onto the field, well, you know, you can always trade them. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. Tomorrow.